0: God is at work through his local church and through the teaching of his word. This morning on My Bridge Radio, we are pleased to share a favorite message from New Life with campuses in Kearney, North Platte, and Ogallala. Here's Pastor Jeff Baker. Many of us, many of us are chasing after a best life scenario that's actually false. Like many of us are dreaming about a best life. We would show pictures of our best life. We would describe our best life. Some of us are making significant sacrifices right now so that we in the future can so-called live our best life. But many of us have got our ladder leaned up against the wrong wall. And after we climb up that thing and we get to the top of it, I think what we're going to discover is that we're very disappointed that we leaned our ladder against a false best life. And when you get to the top of it, you're going to go, why in the world did I sacrifice for this? I'm not happy, I feel lonely, I have everything I thought I wanted, but I still don't feel satisfied. See, I I actually am not coming with bad news today. I'm actually coming with good news today. Here's the good news. You can actually live your best life. I'm going to help you understand that today and the next Sunday. You can live your best life, and I even got better news for you. You can start living your best life sooner than you ever thought. Yeah. Yeah. If for you, some of you, you're like, "Yeah, that picture of my best life going to take, it's going to take quite a while to get there." I'm telling you, if we can just change the definition of what a best life looks like, if we can change the image, if we can change the wall that our ladders leaned against, you can start living your best life a lot sooner than you ever thought. See, part of the secret of living your best life is this: that if you're trying to live your best life with you you at the start of the story and you at the end of the story, meaning you're in the center of what it, the picture of you living your best life, then look, you might gain everything, but you're still gonna feel empty. Let, let's look at what Jesus says about the issue of living your best life. Mark chapter eight, verse 34. He says this, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're gonna lose it. But if you give it up, If you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, then you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Jesus is right here talking about what it can look like for you to live your best life. In this passage of scripture, Jesus is actually saying, it's possible, guys, it's possible to live your best life, but here's how you have to do it. He's going, I have to be at the center of it. Jesus is going, I have to be the one at the center. I gotta be the one that's at the start of the journey and the one that's the goal at the end of the journey. That if Christ is the center of the story, then you too can live your best life because you're living for his mission and you're living for his purpose. He said it this way, he goes, "Look, if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, then you will what? You save it. You're gonna save it. If you give up, the old idea of what it looks like to live your best life, and you take on an agenda that lives a best life that's centered around me, Jesus says, and my goals, my ideas, my lifestyle, the way I want you to love people all the way until you have your last breath, the way I want you to be engaged all the way until you have your last breath, you will live your best life and you'll start living it now. You'll save it. But Jesus also said that if you try to live your best life with you at the center, then you lose it. Remember what he said. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? See, too many of us are trying to gain the whole world. We think that's living your best life. And evidently, Jesus is going, it's actually possible for you to gain the whole world. Because, look, none of us are going to, you know, be the president of the entire world. That's not what he's trying to say here. He's not saying that you're going to gain all the wealth in the world. No, he's trying to say, look, you've got a picture of what your best life looks like. If you could acquire that, if you could gain that, to you that would be, I've gained the whole world. But you've lost your soul. See, that's what I mean by you lean the ladder against the wrong wall, and you climb it through your, your 20s and your 30s and your 40s and your 50s and your 60s, and then all of a sudden you start to see the top and you're going, oh, my word, I can't believe this. I've wasted decades of my life. And now you're too deep. You're too far in. And you can't quit now. And so you just accept this life that's empty and hollow. And you just finish it out that way. Jesus is going, mother. No, I've got something way, way, way better for you. So church, look, if you want to live your best life, then you and me are going to have to stay focused on the right things. And we've got to avoid the wrong things. And to help you do that, I want to take you to an ancient text. This is a deep, we dug this out of the archives, like archaeologists dug this text out of the dirt and brought it back to life, and it's the story of the tortoise and the hare, right? And it's from this story that, I'm going to preach scripture, by the way, we're going to have a lot of scripture, but we're going to have some fun today with the tortoise and the hare. You remember that story? I mean, the much faster rabbit had everything going for him, and he could have easily won the race, right? But, But for many reasons, he lost. The much slower turtle, not to give the whole story away to you that somehow don't know this, <clears throat> the much slower turtle, right, is the one who ends up winning the race. Here's a lesson that we're going to learn from this story, though, that pride and arrogance, it leaves you without the best. Remember, what the, remember the rabbit. The rabbit, at the beginning of the, of the story, takes off running, okay? And if you haven't seen the old school Disney, 1935, 1937, whatever it was, You know, version of this cartoon, you got to go home and watch it, okay? Because the rabbit just takes off like a whirlwind, right? Hats are flying, leaves are flying, whole trees fall down as the rabbit runs by. I mean, it is epic, guys. And it's in technicolor. Yeah, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. I guarantee you're going to YouTube it. Just not right now, all right? But because of his arrogance, he got so far ahead of the turtle, and he turns around, and he doesn't even see the turtle, and he's sitting next to this shade tree that he lays down, and he starts to what? take a nap. He's going to take a nap. And how does he get woke up? He gets woke up because the turtles finally caught him. And I love the Disney version of it. Because that that old school Disney version has got the turtle running on his two back legs, as if that's even possible. Right? But he's like, still. Right? And so he's just coming along. And all of a sudden, everyone starts cheering like, yeah, look at the turtle. The turtle's passing the rabbit. This is exciting. And the rabbit wakes up. Right? And the rabbit does what? It kind of smirks like, Ah, buddy, I can catch you in a heartbeat. We're very much like that rabbit. We're not much like the turtle. We're more like the rabbit. We're arrogant. And arrogance has caused many of us to think too highly of ourselves. And when you're thinking too highly of you, then you are at the center. Jesus is not at the center. When you think too highly of you, that arrogance will cause you to not live your best life, now or in the future, because arrogance does a few things. One of the things arrogance does is eventually causes, causes you to live an isolated life. Because nobody likes to be around arrogant people very long. Are you with me? Okay. And, and, you know, if you're an employer and you're having a hard time finding employees and you're an arrogant employer, one of the reasons is because nobody wants to work for you. Right? If you're arrogant at your work, it's one of the reasons why no one really wants to be around you. Because arrogance is one of those things that causes us to, to make others just want to get away from us. And eventually we live on a lonely island by ourselves. Arrogance is also very deceptive. It's deceptive It makes you believe that you're invincible. And that's what the rabbit did. The rabbit lay down there and you know, kind of smirked and let the turtle pass him by because he was just like, I'm invincible. There's no way I'm going to lose this race. And, and see, we're very much like this with our spiritual life. In our spiritual journey, we think that we can just like, ah, oh, we can do our own thing. We, we don't have to like engage with other believers. We can go months without showing up to church on a Sunday or without being a part of a life group. I can catch up. It's okay. I, I, know, I know the Bible has sat there on the nightstand for three months. It's okay. I can catch up. It's all right. I haven't prayed for two, for, you know, two weeks or two months or whatever. It's okay. I can catch up. I haven't tithed. You know, for a year, but it's okay. I have an honor to the Lord in my finances, but I I can catch up. Really? Will you? Will you really ever catch up? Because most likely, your arrogance causes you to climb that ladder to that belief where you think more about yourself, more highly about you than you do about God, achieving your own things, thinking that you can have all of your own things and have God's thing too, and you can't have both. You don't get to have both. You don't get your thing and keep God's thing. God's like, no, for you to have my thing, you have to give up your thing. Because if, you if you don't, then you're going to lose it. Remember what Jesus said? You're going to lose it. So for us, man, our, some of you, your arrogance has fooled you. It has duped you. And right now, you feel more distant from God than you have in a long time. But your arrogance is caught there. And you don't know how to get out of it. Look, look guys, I've been there. I know this road. I know the destruction of this road. I know what it was like to grow up in church thinking that I can do my own thing, right, and keep God's thing. And eventually, God never moves, and you just keep moving away from God. And you keep moving away from God until finally you're so far away, and your arrogance is stuck between you and God, and there's no way you're going to humble yourself and repent. So what do you do? You just jump off the cliff and go, I'm just going to go live my life the way I want to. I know the destruction of that. And as your pastor and as your friend, I don't want anybody to walk down that destructive road. But it's hard, man. When arrogance is between you and God's best, it requires extreme humility and incredible repentance. I mean, listen to how Jesus says arrogance will keep you from living your best life. Listen to his words. Matthew chapter 24, verses 45 through 51, he tells us a story of how your arrogance will keep you from living your best life. He puts it this way. A faithful, sensible servant is one whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all that he owns. But what if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while, and he begins to beat the other servants, partying, wasting all of his money, and getting drunk? The master will return, watch, unannounced and unexpected. And he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now look, Jesus never tells a story on accident. You and me are the servants in this story, okay? We are the servants. The master is God. The responsibility that he gives us is what we're doing right now. Will we live our best life? But if he comes back and we're not living our best life, then it says that we get to spend eternity away from him in hell. It's that serious. That's how serious he makes it. And so then he goes on to say, hey, look, just because I haven't come back yet doesn't mean I'm not coming back. He said that right in the midst of all of that, okay? And he said this, when I'm coming back, I'm going to come back, I'm gonna return at a time that's unannounced and it's unexpected. And are you going to be living your best life? So in light of this passage of scripture that Jesus gives us, what's the action steps? What's the application? What is he suggesting to us that we do to live our best life? The first thing that I hear him saying is this, hey, you guys better start living like I'm watching because I am. I know what's going on. And it's not from a lord it over or crush you down or to, you know, judge you on every little thing. No, 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 that's not it. He actually loves you. He actually wants to be near you. He wants to be close to you. What happens for you and me is that although He is right here with us right now, we don't see Him. We don't think He's here, but He's here. He's the creator of all things. His spirit, by the way, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches us that His spirit is actually living in you. How close is He? He's in you. Is He watching? He is watching. So what should we do? What's he trying to tell us to do here? Hey, start living for the eternal reward instead of your instant reward. All all too often, many of us are trying to live our best life by getting our instant reward here on earth. When God says, living your best life is living for my eternal reward. Can I just tell you as your pastor and your friend that God's delayed, God's delayed gratification is way better than your instant gratification. That your instant gratification might feel good for a moment but it doesn't last forever. God's Delayed gratification is the kind of reward that sustains and it lasts forever. What's the other thing that Jesus is trying to teach us here about living your best life? He's going, look, re engage with the life habits that actually honor me. Some of you, it's that simple. For some of you to live your best life right now would be you just re-engaging with the life habits that you know that honors God. And then here's where the, the humbleness and the, the breaking down of arrogance has to happen. There's also needs to be a repentance of the life habits that you've arrogantly put before Christ. So to start living the habits that honor him requires humility and for arrogance to be broke down in our life. Okay, but there's more. There's more to the whole tortoise and hare story that we can glean from that actually ties in with God's Word. Quite fascinating. All right? There's another lesson that we can learn. That's distraction destroys your best. So the turtle goes lumpity-lumpity, right, past the, past the rabbit, sitting there. And then the rabbit finally goes, okay, well, I better get up and run ahead of the turtle again. Let him know who's in charge. So he gets up and he speeds ahead of him. Well, the rabbit just blazes by him, and then all of a sudden he comes up to these four nice, nice looking little female rabbits that are like, woo, you run so fast. And so he stops and he's like, yeah, that's right. I am. I'm the leader of the race. If you haven't noticed, let me show you how fast I am. And he grabs a glove and a ball and he pitches the ball and then he runs up and he picks up the bat and he hits, the own, he hits his very own pitch, and then he gets his glove, and he runs out to the outfield, and he catches his own ball. And the girls are like, ooh, you're so good. And he goes, you better believe it. And he grabs the tennis, the tennis ball and the tennis racket, and he hits it over, and he runs over, and he plays tennis with himself back and forth until he wins. And they cheer. You're the winner. And then he goes, you haven't seen nothing yet. And he takes the bow and the arrow and he pulls it back and he lets the arrow go. And then he runs ahead and he puts the apple on top of his head. And lo and behold, the arrow goes right through the apple and cuts it in two. And they're like, you're amazing. And he's like, yes, I am. And in the midst of all of that, Mr. Turtle is just like, lumpity lump, lump lumpity lump. And he runs right on by him, right? Doesn't doesn't even notice him. He just runs right on by because he's so distracted. I mean, all the rabbit had to do, guys. Let's just break this down. If I'm the coach of the rabbit, I'm just like, dude, go, run the race, finish it. Then you can take a nap. Turtle's not going to be done by then. You can run the race. You can actually go over and show off to the girls. Turtle's still not going to be done. All you got to do is run the race. All you got to do is keep your eye on the track, put your your head down, don't get distracted, just stay focused, and finish the race. You could, I mean, look, the rabbit could have almost finished the race and had his fun all at the same time. But he got all distracted. It's very much like you and me. I mean, if you think back, like when we were kids and we went to the mall with our parents, and our parents were like, hey, stick beside me. And you're walking with your parents, and then you walk past that one store you always want to go to. It's got the jeans that you just love, and you've got to have those. Right? It's called the buckle. I get it, because that's where we live. All right? Or it's like some other store and you want that jersey, right? Because you, you know, were here at church last Sunday and you didn't wear a jersey and you feel out of place. And you're like, got to get that jersey or whatever it is. But you get distracted by the store. And all of a sudden, you're looking into the window of that store. And then you turn back around in a crowded mall and you can't see your mom or your dad. You remember that feeling you had on the inside? You remember? Now I'm not talking about the feeling some of you have, right? Where it's like, freedom! I'm not talking about that. Some of you are feeling that and that's wrong. Talking about that anxiety, right, that fear that is inside of you that's like, oh, my word, where are they at, right? And you're starting to freak out for a minute. That, that kind of feeling where you got distracted, and now you're suffering for it. So if you really, truly do want to live your best life, church, we've got to figure out how to keep our eyes on Jesus in the midst of a crazy world. So I want you to listen to what God says about distraction in the day that we live in. Okay, we're talking about right now, this moment. Here's what God says about distraction the day that we live. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 29. God says, but let me say this, dear brothers and sisters. The time that remains is what? Very short. That's the time we live in. It's short between now and the time Jesus comes back. That's what we're talking about here. So what does he say? So from now on, this might baffle you, but from now on, those with wives, those who are married, should not focus only on their marriage. Those who weep or who rejoice or who what? Buy things should not be absorbed by their weeping or their joy or the possessions that they spent their own money to buy. Those who use the things of this world should not become, distract, should not become attached to them, for this world as we know it will what? Soon pass away. This is, this is the whole thing that, that I want to make sure that you understand. God's not saying, hey, look, don't marry, don't have kids don't buy things, don't use the things of this world. He actually right in there said, your money is going to buy things. You're going to get married. You're going to use the strategies, techniques, the systems of this world to get by and do what you need to do. But what he's saying to us very clearly is this, that if you put anything before him, before his kingdom mission in your life, you're not living your best life. That's what he's saying. He's saying, look, if anything gets more important than him, you're not gonna live your best life. And I get it, like in this day and age that we live in right now, it sounds really good to put some earthly commitments ahead of spiritual commitments. Like we will stand in the lobby right now and pat each other on the back for some of the earthly commitments that we've committed to and never even ask, well, what does that mean for your spiritual relationship with God? Such as, such as, it's a real temptation right now to let our kids drive the home. Kids come first. First. Kids are super important, but if kids become more important than, than Christ, then you've got the roles reversed and you're not living your best life. Look, it might even sound good to say, look, like right now we're just taking a break, we're just focusing on our marriage. Awesome. But if just focusing on your marriage becomes more important than focusing on Christ, then you're not gonna live your best life. I know it sounds harsh. It sounds harsh, and it's a delicate line. That we we have to live here because God's not telling us in this passage to abandon our wives, to abandon our marriage, to abandon our children, to slack off at our job. That's not what he's telling us. What he's telling us is this. If you let any of those things that even sound good to become first, you're not going to live your best life. He's going, I am the one that needs to be first. got to be at the center. Your best life has to start with me. And it has to end with me. And can I just say this, that the best example to a husband, the best example to your, to your wife and to your children is for them to see you put Jesus first. Moms, the best example that you can give to your husband and to your kids is for you to put Jesus first. Worker, the best example that you can put, that you can give to your employer is actually to put Jesus first. Is it gonna cost something? Yes, it's gonna cost something. Is the cost gonna be worth it? Always. That's what God says. I'm just your friend all right, my name is Jeff Baker. I'm just your friend. All right, right, I'm just, I'm just helping you see what God's word says. The other thing that I sense that the, the Lord's saying here is this, that look, if you want to live your best life, you got to avoid, you got to avoid impulsive behavior. Impulsive behavior. Can, can I just do something for a second? Because this message I'm preaching to me too. Uh, hey, Jeff Baker, um, if you want to live your best life, one of the things you got to do is you got to avoid impulsive behavior. I just had to turn around and preach it to myself for a second. Because right, I know that all of you have got this under control. You're not impulsive in any way. All right? But sometimes my impulse is the what gets me most in trouble. Now there's certain impulses that I'm not attracted to that might be your impulses, like the impulse of addiction or the impulse of immoral behavior. Right? If, you're, if your impulse is that direction, you obviously understand how giving into that impulse is not going to help you live your best life, right? <clears throat> because you've felt the ramifications of that. You felt the guilt, the shame, the pain. That's been brought on from those impulses, but maybe you're more like me and you get caught up in things like, you know The actions you know, taking actions without maybe considering the consequences sometimes Or making a quick commitment without thinking through the ramifications sometimes I know that that's probably where more of us are at All right, How many of you guys have ever made a commitment without thinking through the ramifications or took some actions or without thinking through the Consequences and then halfway through or when the whole thing is done You're like man. I wish that I would have approached that differently. Anybody with me? Or is it just my hand up? Okay. All right, I'm okay. I'm, I'm confident, man. I'll put my hand up. I'll hold it up. All right, because I'm human. And I know this. That's what we do. And every time we do those things, it causes us to not live our best life. That our impulsive behavior, here's the reason why. Impulsive behavior tends to lead us towards, not always, but tends to lead us towards the craving of our sinful nature. That's what impulsive behavior does. It, it normally never leads us closer to Christ. Impulsive behavior tends to always lead us towards the craving of our sinful nature. That's what Galatians chapter five, verse 16 says. So I say this, let the Holy Spirit, what? Guide your lives. Why? Because then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Then you won't be giving in to the impulsive behavior that what? Your sinful nature wants. So what do we have to do? If you want to live your best life then you have to live underneath the control and the leadership of the holy spirit in your life how do you do that can i just make a few suggestions on that first slow down and listen just slow down for a moment in the midst of whatever's going on listen like ask god is this what you want am i doing what honors you just slow down and listen for a moment value biblical standard more than man-made standard care more about what god's opinion is than man's opinion We live in an upside down world right now where man cares more about man's opinion than God's opinion. Man cares more about man's wisdom and what man's idea is than the ancient text of God's word that has been faithful and true throughout generations. Is it gonna be easy to care more about God's opinion? Is it gonna be easy to have more of of a biblical value on life than a man made value on life? No, it's not gonna be easy. You're gonna experience a lot of pain, you're gonna experience a lot of frustration. It's not the easy road, but we haven't been called to live the easy road. If you think that the God of the Bible is the one who's designed an easy road for you to live, you got the wrong God. If you think that the God of the Bible is a God who always says yes and never says no, you got the wrong God. We serve a God who never promised that the road in front of you is going to be easy, and we serve a God who's going to say no more than he's going to say yes. Why? Because he wants to build his character and his priesthood inside of your heart. So he protects us and he directs us and he walks us through the valleys of the shadow of death. Yea, you are with me. And that was King James, brother. That's how serious that one was. So ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. And I would suggest, ask him to lead you multiple times a day. Not just once, not just once a week. You need a multiple times. I'm getting ready to walk into this meeting. Holy Spirit, help me to have the right attitude i get, I got to make a big decision. Holy Spirit, before I make that, help me to make the right decision. I'm on my drive home, getting ready to walk into the house where you know my family is and my children are. Holy Spirit, help me to have the right attitude as I walk into this house. i got to discipline my children. Holy Spirit, help me to have the right attitude in disciplining my children. You, you, are you following me with this? Are you with me on this? All right, let's get back to that old story of the tortoise and the hare. So the crowd begins to cheer as the tortoise is getting closer to the finish line. And remember how he runs. And and the crowd cheers, and the rabbit wakes up from his distraction. He's like, what in the world? The the, the, the turtle's getting ready to finish the race. So he takes off running faster than he's ever ran before. But what he doesn't realize is the turtle has a secret weapon. And right at the very end, right as he thinks he's getting ready to pass the turtle, what does the turtle do? Sticks his neck out and wins it. That's what he does. One more time in case you missed it, because it was fast. He made a sound like that. I know it sounds like a whale coming out of the water, but it's a turtle finishing the finish line. And the rabbit lays there and this is just like in awe and distraught. Like, I can't believe this. The turtle won the race. What do we learn? We, were, we, we, we learned this that running too fast will always blind you from the best. That's what we learn. When you run too fast, it will blind you from the best. There's way too many people that are sitting in our auditoriums today. People that you work with, people that you live next to, people that you know that have ran such a fast-paced, self-centered life that they've lost things that they wish they never lost, their marriage, their children, their health, their purity, their closeness with God. Some of those things you can get back, but not all of those things. So we gotta, what we have to do is we've got to put a higher value on the pace that we need to run that actually honors God. That pace might seem slower, but it's a pace that wins. It might be different than the idea that you have, but in the end, it wins. It, you may not understand the pace that God has for your life, but in the end, if you run it, it wins. You might feel like you're going to sacrifice a lot of earthly achievements, but I'm telling you that in the end, God's pace, it wins. It's going to look different than yours, but it wins. I just want you to think about what James chapter 4, verse 14 says as we wrap this up. It says that your life is like the morning fog. Watch this. It's here a little while, and then it's what? So what's it really saying? Isn't it saying this, that your life is fast. It's going to disappear quickly. Can I just, you know, can I just get like an amen or a nod of the head from those who are older than, than us here today that would look back on life and go, life just goes way too fast. And if you were younger and you said that, you just have wisdom beyond your years. If life's going to go by that fast, can I just simply flip that verse on its head and just say this to you from a loving, caring friend and your pastor? You don't need to do anything to speed it up. It's already going to go fast enough. Why are you trying to speed it up all the time? Where are you trying to get? What are you trying to do? It's already going to go by quick. Maybe what we should do is just simply answer these three questions. Where do you need to slow down and follow God's pace in your life. If you're having coffee with Jesus and he knows everything about your life, you know you can't lie. If you're having coffee with Jesus and he asks you, where do you need to slow down and follow my pace for your life? How do you answer that question? Where do you need to slow down and follow God's pace? If he asks you the second question, what distractions are destroying your best life? What have you become so distracted by that it's destroying your ability to live your best life? How would you answer that question? And thirdly, what if Jesus asked you this question? Where has arrogance slipped in and stolen your best life? I think those are the three questions today. Church, can I just suggest to you that if you can just analyze those three questions today through God's word and through, through the truth of God's spirit, that today you can actually walk out of here and start living your best life now, you don't have to wait for another day. You get your life lined up with God. Christ at the center. He's at the beginning and at the end of the story. It's all about Him. You can start living your best life now. Thank you for joining us this morning for a favorite message from Pastor Jeff Baker at New Life. If you'd like to hear this message again or more like it, check out Heard On Air on the MyBridge Radio app or online at mybridgeradio.net.